Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf here, and the NCAA tournament is officially over. UConn wins the national championship. And of course, that means it's time to, for the time being, while the Knicks are projected to have a first round pick, to talk about the draft a little bit. Uh, so it might be fleeting, depending on how the Mavericks go, but I brought my good buddy Prez on to give sort of a primer of the draft in this multi-part series. So we're getting into it in just a second on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. Here he comes right now. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On NBA for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks first listen today and every day. Whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube, I appreciate you making us a part of your daily routine. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor in chief of Knicks site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. And as I mentioned in the open, I'm joined by my buddy Prez from The Strickland. You might know him from Pod Strickland. Uh, you might know him from Draft Strickland, an offshoot show that he does about the draft. You might know him from all of his great draft coverage that he does for the Strickland as well. Uh, the guy watches so much film and does so much work and spends so much time on the draft every single year. Hopefully this year it won't be for not. Uh, we'll get into it in the first part of this show, but there's, of course, a chance pending how things go with the Mavericks, that the Knicks don't end up with a first-round pick this year because they perhaps overbet on the Mavericks being worse than themselves in the Josh Hart trade by uh, giving up their own pick instead of the Mavericks pick. Uh, but we talk about three really intriguing prospects in this first episode that would be there, presumably, or could potentially be there around that 11th pick if the Mavs can manage to end up in that spot and the Knicks can secure that pick uh, and avoid that top 10 protection. We're talking about Jordan Hawkins, new NCAA champion, uh, one of the more versatile players on both ends that'll be entering this draft and definitely a very Nixie pick. We talk about why he would be a Nixie pick. Talk about Bryce Sensabaugh of Ohio State, why he's such a unique prospect and why he scores and plays basketball in such a different way than what you might think at first blush by looking at him. And then we talk about Taylor Hendricks, who really excites me as a possible small ball five option for the Knicks off the bench, who can also shoot the three really well, or at least did so in college. So there's three really interesting players. This is just part one. So there's going to be more coming out this week on this early draft preview while we can until the Mavericks blow it if they decide to. But uh, I won't hold this up any further. Let's get into it. All right. As promised, I am joined by my good buddy, Prez. You might know him as the lead draft writer at the Strickland. You might know him as the host of Draft Strickland, the Strickland's draft podcast. Or you might know him as the Friday co-host of Pod Strickland at the Strickland. Lots of Strickland. 
We always love to see it. Prez, how you doing in this draft cycle? Uh, end of the NCAA tournament. We're almost to the finish line there. I mean, it's it's about to kick into high gear, I think, as far as uh, looking at draft prospects, even if there's a chance that over the next four games, the Knicks might find themselves without a first-round draft pick. <laughs> yeah, I tweeted it this morning, but, like, I can't – I'm not good at things that involve, like – understanding multiple calculations going on at the same time, whether that's like constructing three team trades or in this case, figuring out what needs to happen for us to keep our pick. It's like, Oh, OKC has to do this. And Dallas has to do this. And Toronto has to do this. And I'm just like, all right, we'll either have that pick or we won't wake me up in a couple of days. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just as like a crash course for anyone listening, that's not sure what we're talking about basically the Knicks this year traded their own first round pick in exchange for Josh Hart, uh, which along with Cam Reddish, obviously, which was sort of unprecedented for them, except for the fact that they had the Mavericks pick still on hand, which at the time that they made that trade, the Knicks and Mavericks were almost equal in the standings. And then obviously have gone extremely different directions since then. The Knicks are uh, very close to securing a top five seed. The Mavericks are very close to missing the playoffs now. Uh, and possibly landing in the top 10 of the draft, the pick that the Mavericks sent to the Knicks, the second first-round pick that was sent to them as part of the Kristaps Porzingis trade, is top 10 protected. So if it stays inside the top 10, then the Mavericks hold on to it this year. I think it is protected in that way through 2025. Uh, it's protected top 10 and then eventually becomes two second-round picks if it doesn't convey by 2025. So it's not like the... Um, obligation that the Mavs have to the Knicks gets extinguished if it ends up in the top 10 this year, but it would nonetheless be kind of disappointing considering how deep this draft is. Uh, and as it stands right now, as you were saying, the Mavericks, uh, they're a game behind the Thunder for the final play-in spot. The Thunder basically need to lose. The Mavs need to win. Um, the Mavs have the easier schedule. If you look at uh, like strength of schedule and the the quality of opponents coming up, however, we're reaching the point where certain teams are going to start coasting towards the end of the year, uh, where the wins don't matter quite as much for a few teams. Though it's it's pretty tight standings all across the league. So hopefully, hopefully, uh, teams will give the Thunder the business and rest against the Mavericks, so that the Mavs can win a few more games and give the Knicks this first round pick this year. Um, but the reason that we want that pick so bad, Prez, is because this draft class is really, really good. Um, obviously, headlined by Victor Wembanyama. Uh, by Scoot Henderson, by Brandon Miller. They're like considered, I think, the consensus top three at this point. But beyond that, just this huge amount of talent that on uh, you've noted this in the draft previews you've put out on the Strickland. Like we put out four parts of it. And you, you know, there's like, I don't know, six, seven, eight guys per uh, part that you did. And in each part, you noted like in a normal year, all these guys might be lottery picks but as it stands this year there's like 20 something guys that could potentially be lottery picks in in other years uh because of just how deep this draft class is the only one i could think of in recent memory that had this level or almost this level of hype coming in was maybe 2021 which was considered to be a very deep class and a very talent heavy class but where do you think that this 2023 draft class rates in terms of just the overall depth and and talent available in it. 
Yeah, it's a good question. Um, definitely deeper than last year. And it's, I probably agree with you. It was probably up there with the class before that. Um, this class has two strengths in terms of depth. Um, one is uh, the top level talent. Like even if you put Wemby aside on his own planet for the time being where he usually resides, the other guys, you know, you have four or five guys who would be right in the mix, for example, with like Paolo, Chet, Jabari Smith last year for the number one pick. Um, and that's four or five guys, if not more, who have credible arguments to be the number one pick ahead of those. And so you have a you have a good amount of top level talent, even if you know this isn't like, for example, the the Luca draft where you had several potential like instant, instant franchise player level talents. That draft had like Luca and Trey and um, DeAndre Ayton and Jaron Jackson and um, Marvin Bagley, if, if you liked him. But that's like four or five guys who you could pretty much pencil in as knowing they were going to be all-stars for sure. Um, <clears throat> so that was probably the most top-heavy of the recent drafts. This one isn't quite like that because even the top guys, like um, we don't have to spend a ton of time on them because they won't be next. But like Amen and Asar Thompson – the wings playing for the OTE who are awesome prospects. Like even those guys, it's like, well, there's a chance they might never shoot. Right. So that's what separates them from, you know, Jaron Jackson, DeAndre Ayton level guys, but they're still really good. And then aside from that, the top of the draft, that kind of middle category, the, the best way I could phrase it is like, there's legit arguments for 15 guys to go number 10 or 12th, like the middle of the the late lottery. There's like a ton of late lottery level talent that's going to spill into the end of the first round. So if you're picking in the late lottery, like the Knicks might be, that's great. Of course, you'll get a good player, but you can get a player the same level of good picking 18th or who knows, 25th maybe, right? <laughs> like the Knicks usually do. So um, so if, if you, if the Knicks end up, you know, say we don't have our pick and we end up getting another pick somehow this much later, that kind of stinks, but this is the draft to do that. Even though that seems like I'm already like coping in case we do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll be right back in with Prez and we'll start getting into some of these prospects, really getting into the weeds and, and getting Prez's thoughts on some of these guys. But First, I got to remind you guys, today's show is brought to you by the Game Time app. And look, I'm a, I'm a notorious last-minute ticket buyer. You know, I uh, find myself often looking like the day or two before trying to go to an event because I decide, you know what, I think I want to go, but I don't want to pay an unreasonable price, and it's never fun. But you know what? Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. And Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. And I was just looking at the listings. Like, you can go to Knicks Pacers and watch a potential Knicks win on Sunday for not that much money. Like, 200 something dollars all in. That's a really nice thing that Game Time does. They show you the all in price rather than the pre 500 different little micro fees that's going to jack the 
cost of your ticket up by like $200 number that some of those other sites give you. Game time is like, no, this is just what you're going to pay right here. This is the number right in front of your face, including fees and everything. So it's pretty solid. Game time really is the last minute ticket deal place. Forget planning months and events. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. You can get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. So if you find tickets in the same section in a row for less, game time will credit you 110 percent of the difference so snag tickets without the stress on game time download the game time app create an account and use code locked on nba for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply again create an account and redeem code locked on nba for twenty dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guarantee yeah i mean so i think that in general i have not done nearly as much draft prep as I would normally do this time of year, thanks to the Knicks being good. Um, funny how that works, where I'm not like constantly looking <laughs> forward right now. But obviously, we're in the the NCAA tournament. Uh, almost to the end here, UConn is about to be in the final. And Jordan Hawkins has been one of their best players all year and probably their most draft-appealing player on the team. Uh, he's a 6'5 wing uh, sophomore. And to me, I feel like he might be the, one of the more Nixie dudes available. Like he just sort of fits based off what I could see, like their type of player where he can shoot, he can defend, he can, he's not necessarily like a, a plus plus athlete, you know, as far as like verticality and stuff, but like just does all the little things that you want out of a player. Very like Grimes-esque, uh, you know, Deuce McBride-esque, Emmanuel Quickly-esque, I guess, it, it, where it's just a good basketball player. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's the Knicks type. I, he, you know, the NCAA tournament leads to guys getting more hype and ending up higher up in drafts and stuff like that all the time. So maybe that does happen for Hawkins, but it seems like in most mocks that I see, he's, he's mocked in the, like, mid-first round. Uh, maybe that moves him up closer to 10 or something, which to your point, maybe just means that a, a different player would fall into the range. The Knicks might occupy in that 11 to 14 range. But what's your read on Hawkins, uh, especially after, you know, UConn, their fantastic run and Hawkins having his own version of like a flu game the other day, apparently while being food poisoned the night before. Yeah, he's great. And he's definitely getting, if mock drafts are anything to go by a bit of a tournament bump. Um, he's in that deep late lotto group, which stretches from like 11, 12, all the way into the 20s. So for me, like you can have him mocked, say 12th or 14th, and you can have him mocked 20th. And those numbers don't really mean quite as much as they would in a normal year. Like you would assume somebody mocked 12th a lot of the time, for example, is better than somebody usually mocked 20th. But again, that's, really not the case i think fit and team circumstance is gonna um decide a lot of a lot of that hoop gets picked when and for hawkins you know if you look at guys like him you, you detailed what's appealing about him he's an incredible shooter he's arguably the best shooter in this class which is the best shooting class i've ever seen in my life by a large margin which is so that's saying something and he 
he brings not just shooting, but real movement shooting, which is very rare. Um, you don't see that. Grimes had a little bit of that at Houston, but for NBA prospects, he really there's maybe like one person like that every year, if that. And um, it's, you know, if a team drafts him to do the Grimes role, for example, of, on offense or just sit in the corner and then occasionally like move up closer to the top and spot up, then that's a waste of Jordan Hawkins. Like if you're not running this guy around like Kyle Korver, Rip Hamilton style, then he's, he's not a good pick, but like you mentioned, he's, he does a lot of the little things as well. So, you know, he can play defense and he does have craft and his handle is actually decent. And he got some bounce when he gets a, a runway and he's a solid defender, despite being a twig who looks like he's 15, even though he's 20. Um, so he'll get stronger and better at defense too. But um, if, if a team says, all right, we love the foundation of him doing the little things, the winning plays, and we're going to maximize him on offense and just light other teams brains on fire with this guy getting like three, four screens per possession. Then you're talking about a player who will probably be worth a late lotto pick like 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Um, Cause that's, that's rare. And you're right that he's very Nixie. Like I have a article I'm writing that I won't spoil that tries to measure who are the more Nixie prospects. And he came out at the top of everybody in the entire class, according to my extremely unscientific study. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> he sounds pretty great to me. He also sort of fits like, even if you consider two other things that the Knicks value, they don't often draft first year players. Mm-hmm. And he's not a first year player either. Like he's a sophomore. Like, do you think what what did he grow on from freshman to sophomore year? You think that is sort of shown maybe like the growth potential for going forward? Because I do think that's something that the Knicks seem to value is that they if they could see a guy and like view his progression already happening in college, I feel like that's in some way valuable to them, and that's why they often go for like these guys that are like second third year players because they want to see that progression. Like what, what did he improve on from freshman to sophomore year? You're correct that the Knicks like seeing that. That's part of my extremely secret proprietary <laughs> formula for this I article promise, I'm writing. I promise <laughs> I haven't read this yet either. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to read it to know that. I mean, all the guys we've taken are like 20 year olds or whatever, but yeah. um, in terms of what he's improved, his handle has gotten better. Um, he's gotten stronger, which is, you know, he still has a long way to go, but he's like, he's just gotten stronger and more athletic in like a functional way. Like he always had bounce, like in layup lines, this guy could probably do all types of crazy stuff, but like being able to start and then stop or, you know, with the amount of running he does, he scored the second most points off screens in the entire country. Um, You have to be in like elite condition. So that's gotten better. And even though he's a jump shooter who spends most of his time running around screens, he's really not afraid of being physical. So just being a little bit better equipped as a 20 year old to deal with some of that. So he's the kind of guy who might run around screens and then pump fake and then actually take it to the hole. Right. And like, I'll give you an example. His first month, he didn't really get to the free throw line Um, in November and October. His free throw rate was like 10 or 11. He just didn't draw free throws. And then for the rest of the year, it was, 37% of his shots, which is more than RJ Barrett had at Duke, for example. So um, he definitely improved 
a fair bit. And, and I think the Knicks and other teams will, will see that, like what I like to call a prospect in motion where everything's not projection. You see, Oh, he already improved, not just versus high school players, but like versus college. Players. All right. I'll be right back in with Prez and we'll talk about Taylor Hendricks, uh, who is probably going to be one of my favorite prospects of this draft period. A, a tweener that can shoot threes and block shots. I mean, that's pretty much my dream right there. That's that's my type of player. So we'll talk about him in just a moment. But today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. And look, you know, therapy can be hard. You know, it can be hard to to get into. Sometimes you might not feel like you need it, but you might also feel like you're dealing with a lot of things. I'm here to tell you, you can you can get therapy and it'll probably help you quite a bit. And it it can be hard sometimes though. And that's the biggest issue. You know, it's like, it's daunting to find yourself a therapist and then to find someone that you really vibe with. And, you know, you have to do all this legwork yourself to try to find who to talk to, to try to get things off your chest, to work with coping methods, to, you know, really free your mind and, and get yourself in a good place. And that's where BetterHelp can come in and help you. Uh, I, I think it's it's a great idea to learn how to learn positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It can really empower you to be the best version of yourself. And it's not just for those that have experienced major trauma or anything. The little things in life stack up too. And sometimes you just got to get them off your chest. And therapy can help with that. It can help keep your mind freer and and you know better functioning at all times. So BetterHelp is is the best place to go for that. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and you'll get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on MBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp H-E-L-P.com slash locked on MBA. Yeah, another guy that I want to move on to that I, I'm very excited to get to because I know it's someone that you're <laughs> uh, that you're high on and that I look at him and I'm just like, this guy, for whatever reason, is just like my type of player. I don't, I don't know what it is, but uh, Bryce Sensabaugh, who's a 6'6 wing out of Ohio State, he is a freshman. So there's going to be a lot of freshmen on this list because it's a pretty stacked freshman class. Um, but that said, I mean, he's... He, I've, I think I've seen you describe him as being built like a linebacker or a tight end at, at various points because he's just like a huge dude that doesn't look like he should have the type of game that he does. Uh, but he's just like a walking bucket. Like the guy just seems to score from everywhere. He's a great three-point shooter, seems to have a good pull-up game. Like uh, the main things that seem to be uh, getting in the way of uh, of him being a higher prospect, I guess, would be his physical profile because of being built like a linebacker, which isn't necessarily ideal for the NBA, depending on your position. And especially like, I guess not for really like shot creators either necessarily. Um, but I don't know. Th- tell me if this, tell me if this, uh, this uh, comparison is crazy or not, but I was thinking about them, him and like who I, who he maybe reminds me of a little bit. And I sort of came to like Dylan Brooks, like a guy that, can just score like crazy that doesn't necessarily 
have that perfect physical profile. I mean, what's your read on Sensabon, like a potential fit with the Knicks or really with any NBA team? Because he just seems like a really interesting draft prospect to me. Yeah, he's um you mentioned he's a he's a bulky win. He's like six six. He's not vertically explosive. He's not particularly um explosive in terms of his first step. And he's like 235 pounds, hence the built like a linebacker. But he's probably could get in a little bit better shape. Um, so he has something to gain there. But his game is really finesse based. And although he learned to be more physical and drive better as the year went on, like you you hit the nail on the head. This guy is just like freshmen are not that good at creating shots, just full stop. The only freshmen who are, if you just look at his numbers, who create offense like he does as freshmen, they're all top 10 picks. It's just like the 95% of the list is just top 10 picks. And then you have, Bryce Sensaba, <laughs> pretty much, because mm-hmm. it, it's just if you're that good at offense, and you know, offense is what makes money and what gets attention. So usually that means you're a top ten pick. But because he was kind of unheralded, he wasn't expected to be a one and done. His team was garbage; um, they weren't good, and he wasn't really always used well. Like his coach would take him out for defensive mistakes, which fine, but like, he's also your team's best scorer by a lot. So you're not really getting that much better in terms of the net difference with him on the bench. Um, started off the year coming off the bench. Um, so I, I think it's a combination of things like his physical profile, his team, um, and a couple other things that just are causing him to drop in drafts. Um, and I think people are making it way too complicated with him. Uh, I think they're just looking at what he doesn't do rather than what he does do. He's extremely high on my board, top 10. Um, so if the Knicks got him, it would definitely give them in some ways something they lack, which is um, shot creation depth, right? Because if you think about the shot creators on the Knicks, it's pretty much Brunson, Randall, and IQ, Um RJ and Hart can create for themselves a little bit in transition. RJ sort of creates for himself, but he depends on like a lot of tough rim finishes and guys getting his rebounds and stuff like that. Bryce is somebody who you can play off the ball as your shooter, or you can just trust him to create something. Like if you put, I don't know, like a bum defender bench wing on him, he'll cook them probably because he's such a ridiculous shooter, not just from three, but in the mid-range. He's an elite mid-range shooter. Um, So I wouldn't compare him to Dylan Brooks just because Dylan Brooks, they're similar size, but Dylan Brooks is really athletic and um, has turned himself into a great defender who, you know, generally if the other team sees Dylan Brooks putting up shots, the other team is probably cool with that, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. If he's making shots, then you might be in trouble. Yeah, But with Bryce, the default setting is going to be the opposite. It's going to be don't give him an open shot and at least early in his career, try to cook him on while he's defending. Yeah, it's kind of interesting to to go back to what you're saying about how he was used and how he sort of come up at Ohio State. It reminds me a bit of Branham, uh, like not mm-hmm. not the type of player, obviously, but like just how it seems like Ohio State is treating their very talented freshmen, 
where yeah. it's like <laughs> it, it takes them a really long time to like get a role and and like really showcase themselves and then even then the the use cases aren't fantastic but then I, i'm really curious to see like sensible i feel like sounds to me like a guy that might be one of those that starts hitting the workouts and the and like the the combine and all that stuff and then maybe puts up a couple interesting numbers and has some good performances in those that then raises some eyebrows and potentially turns them into like a lottery pick. But yeah, I can see it. It seems interesting. Yeah. Every year you have guys who are like that. Right. But it's usually the opposite. It's usually some Mm -hmm. guard who's like, look, I gained 10 pounds. And then some wing who goes into a workout and cashes all the jumpers and has great interviews or something. So he could definitely, Mm -hmm. like I said, not much separates these guys. So little things like that could go a long way for Mm -hmm. particular players appealing to particular teams it doesn't mean like they'll be rising on everyone's board but because it's such a big mix what serves as a tiebreaker for a particular team could uh have real big impacts on who goes where yeah uh so to move to another another player that i i'm pretty interested in here this guy definitely fits my type as well. It scratches the, it, he scratches the, uh, <laughs> the like Brandon Clark itch a little bit for me. Like it's always been my favorite type of type of prospect lately is the like tweener sort of like, or what used to be considered a tweener, but now is considered a very valuable yeah. NBA player <laughs> that is like between a four and a five can do a lot of different things. And this is a guy that I'm admittedly not super, like I just have seen like descriptions of him, and I'm like this. Once I sit down and watch 20 minutes of this guy, I'm gonna I'm gonna love this dude. Uh, and that's Taylor Hendricks, who's a six nine forward out of Central Florida. Uh, he is a freshman, and I just I really like what I've read about him, and I, I'm really intrigued to see more of this guy. Like he's a four five type, which I, the Knicks haven't really had like you would love if Obi Toppin could be that guy, but he he definitely isn't. Julius Randle definitely isn't like a four or five, which is really limited the Knicks' ability to go small at any time because it's just like Tibbs, especially if Tibbs is going to be your coach. Like the guy needs to be able to protect the rim in some way, shape, or form, and like the shooting would be a nice, uh, you know, cherry on top. But like the priority if you're going to play any minutes at the like nominal five under Tibbs is you have to provide some rim protection which they just don't have out of any of their fours right now. This kid, to me, seems like, I mean, just two two things that jump off the page to me. Shoots 40% on almost five threes a game and averages almost three stocks, and that's with about two blocks. It's like about two blocks and one steal per game. So that screams to me like this guy might be able to be the guy that like breaks through as a, a small ball five on the Knicks, which would give them a much-needed different look from time to time um what's your read on Hendricks though like what what do you think about him coming out into the draft this year he's already rising just because tall players who do stuff rise in mock drafts that's what happens especially when they're young right like we've seen it with Josh Giddy, we've seen it with Franz these are different type of players Scotty um all those guys are more versatile on offense Taylor doesn't really dribble much but he's just such a great shooter, like you alluded to. Like he, he doesn't take like cross tween step backs or anything. He takes mostly catch and shoot threes and sort of movement threes. But if you look at the catch and shoot threes he gets, there, it's not just gimmies. It's not like someone kicks it out and he catches it in his perfect pocket and then 
has time and it's like he catches it facing one way and turns the other way or it's like the best way i can describe it for knicks fans is like evan fournier catch and shoot threes where you're like oh shoot that was not easy like he just faded from the corner on this catch and shoot like that's not a normal catch and shoot three so he's he's a legitimate weapon floor spacing um and then his defense he's a monster on defense he he, he's potentially a game-changing defender um it's hard to put that label on anyone as young as him um, because just defense in the NBA is really hard and there's so many good defenders, but he has the tools to not only play up to the five, like you said, but also play down. He's six, nine. So he's actually like normal height for a four really, or even a three. Um, but he's just very gifted in terms of his agility and his coordination like he gets blocks that you think he's out of the play and then he doesn't just because he's able he has that center trait where he can just locate the ball and get a block without touching their forearm or their hand um and uh you know like like when bam had that block versus the celtics in the playoffs kind of like that where you're just like oh snap i didn't think he would be able to do it Mm -hmm. um and he's switchy as well he's not lumbering um so you can he can defend wings in a pinch and and all that. Um, again, he's not really a ball handler. So if your vision for him is like we're going to turn him into some like creator wing, then it's good to have that vision. But that shouldn't be Plan A for deriving value. Um, but he would be a great fit on the Knicks because where most prospects, you know, the Knicks ask their prospects to do less than on other teams. They're like, here's this narrow role master it and we will consider expanding your role in the off season <laughs> mm-hmm. like grimes has mastered his role iq was like bench combo guard mastered his role had to spend a year and a half waiting to get point guard reps uh mitch mastered his role even though we know he wants the ball sometimes and we should probably give him the ball sometimes right like we see it with all the Knicks guys and with obi he's not in the role that is best for his skills. He's in the role that the Knicks need, which is floor spacing and defense, but he's both of those things. He's kind of inconsistent at, but Taylor would fit that narrow role and knock it out the park from day one. And that's why I'm like, if he falls to the Knicks, which even if we have the 11th pick, I don't know if that'll happen. Um, I think they'll consider him, even though he's a freshman. And like you said, we, we rarely take or consider freshmen. Yeah. It's so funny. You said that because I literally wrote possible OB replacement question mark on my notes because (laughs) I had the same thought of like, this guy seems like he would be potentially the, the perfect like fit for that skill that they're looking for. And, you know, then give them that opportunity of saying, okay, well, if we want to keep Randall on the floor, but we want to still have more shooting out there, this guy on the other end can at least like block some shots and stuff and, and could maybe give them that option um, and fit well with Randall in that regard too, in a way that Obi just hasn't been able to uh, in the way that Tibbs would ever want him to, which is why we only have ever seen that small ball arrangement, like in the most direst of circumstances Mm -hmm. uh, so far. All right. That's it for today's edition of locked on Knicks with Prez. I'll be back with Prez more this week to talk about more draft prospects because we had a really long conversation. I had a lot of questions. As I mentioned, you know, thanks to the Mavericks situation, it's kind of like 
got to get these questions out while I can <laughs> at this point, um, you know, and, and get this draft research done before potentially the Knicks are left without a uh, 11 to 14 pick. Like it looked like a few weeks ago they were maybe going to get. Uh, but we got plenty more guys to talk about. We have Chris Murray, of course, the brother of Keegan Murray, twin brother, who's having a fantastic season in his own right at Iowa this year and could potentially be a mid first round pick. Grady Dick from Kansas, one of the best shooters in the draft. Keontae George, a very highly touted player coming into this year who uh, sort of had an underwhelming year and and ultimately uh, didn't have the best time, uh, and, and but maybe still has a lot of latent potential and could be a steal for a team like the Knicks with a good development infrastructure. Uh, Kassan Wallace out of Kentucky, speaking of, you know, Emmanuel Quickly type dudes, you know, because the Knicks always seem to like them. That's one of them, and he's from Kentucky. Plus a bunch of late first-round pick guys. Uh, Leonard Miller, Dariq Whitehead, Jalen hood Shafino, Jet Howard, Max Lewis, Kobe Bufkin. So many guys to talk about uh, in case the Knicks decide to trade back into the late first round, which if history tells us anything, is that they love the 25th pick, so they might try to get back to that range. So lots more to talk about with Prez on future shows. Hope you'll keep locked in. Uh, for those towards the end of this week. But until next time, thank you all for listening and I'll talk to you soon. Peace out.